All right, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, and uh, I want to ask a couple of, of questions just to kind of get our brain going and, and just to continue a little bit of interaction. I warned you there would be a lot of interaction today, so um, uh, just, just kind of take that. Um, uh, the, the first question is simply, what do you do while you wait? Uh, while you wait for stuff, and I know every situation is different, but if you kind of just think about your life in general, what's something in general that you do while you wait? Uh, it's a pretty interesting little section because Jesus is essentially saying, hey, you're going to have to do some waiting, right? He's saying, hey, I'm going to leave, and in a few days, a few days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and then uh, the angels at the end of that reading say, hey, um, after you wait for an undisclosed amount of time, he's going to come back in the same way that he left. So it's pretty clear here that there's like a waiting undertone. And so I think it's important for us to just sort of acknowledge and be talking about like, how do we actually wait? What does life look like while we wait? So um, uh, not a spiritual spin on this uh, question, but just what's something that you do while you wait? Yeah. Checking the time. Oh, yeah. So you're one of those anxious, like, watch checkers. Yeah. Okay. Not to be offensive by that uh, anxious. Or, yeah. Uh, what's something? Uh, okay. So uh, somebody's showing me their phone. Yeah. Uh, is that you too? No. You get fidgety. Like, you have a fidget spinner and you... Uh-huh. And if you had a pen, you'd probably be clicking the pen. Yeah. And, I'm, and so I'm sure that Donna is never annoyed by any of this... No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, what's something that you do while you wait? Check the, <laughs> check the football lines, like, as in, like, the betting lines, or as in, like, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Whoever's favored. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, what, what else do you do while you wait? I'm a score checker, right? I just want to be like, I'm constantly opening up my MLB app, seeing what, like, because, you know, I mean, there could have been a new article posted in the last five minutes, right, <laughs> on, uh, about baseball stuff. So, um, unfortunately, one of my children has picked up on that habit, and I'm constantly telling that child to stop doing that. But then I, whatever. Anyways, what, well, maybe one more. What do you do while you wait? People watch. Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't, I didn't, yeah. I'm, see, I'm too busy watching. Anyways, you people watch. That's good. Um, okay, so so shift gears just a little bit, and then we'll get into the text. We're going to uh, be just kind of looking at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So if you've got a Bible, um, uh, go ahead and just be ready to join us there. Um, second question for you to engage in is simply um, simply this. Uh, and this is a little bit more of a, of a heartfelt thing, a, a deeper thing. And, and I don't know what y'all are going to say, but let me just kind of say, let's just be respectful to one another. Um, because who knows what people are going to say here. But uh, what is something that you, that you long for, that you ache for, that you desire? What's something that you long for, ache for, that you, that you desire? Anybody willing to share that? Just put a name to it. Doesn't have to be spiritual. Just what's something that you long for? Yeah. The next vacation. Yeah, thank you. Uh, do you have one planned already? Yeah, okay, good. And she's longing for it. All right, good. What else do you long for or ache for? Lunch. Man, you're... It's only 9 o'clock, and you're thinking about lunch, right? Did you get breakfast? 
Did you eat breakfast? No, no breakfast. That's the problem. All right. Uh, what do you ache for? I'm sorry. I broke my own rule. I'm supposed to be respectful, and then I'm not. Anyways, lunch. Good. Uh, what do you ache for or long for? What's something? Retirement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's something that you ache for or long for? Maybe just one more. Come on, somebody's got one and you're just not willing to put it forward. I'll wait all day, not really. Healing in broken relationships. Yeah, thank you. So um, when I look at Acts chapter 1, verse 6, um, I, I see a huge ache, uh, a huge desire that, that, that uh, I have, and that I'm guessing most of us in the room have. And so I think it's just important that kind of while we wait, right, while we're in this waiting period, um, while we're waiting for God to show up, while we're waiting for him to return, uh, I think it's important that we just kind of put the ache on the table and we also see how Jesus responds to the ache. So this is Acts chapter 1, verse 6. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Do you see what's on their heart? Restoration. They long for things to be restored. We ache, right? I mean, this is... It's, a, it's an ache that I have. It's a longing that I have uh, for, for restoration, for, for things to get better, for restoration to come. Um, uh, and, and this, we, we just got to see this, right? This isn't, uh, this isn't a desire for things to go back to how they used to be. This is a desire for things to be made like they've never been made before. Do you see that? When they're asking for restoration here, they're not saying, hey, will you just take us back, you know, 30 years ago to like life right before you? Or, or, hey, will you take us back to, to just, you know, two months ago before you died and did that whole like death and resurrection thing? That's not what they're asking for. They're asking for things to be made like they've never been made before. Uh, there's a kind of a sequence of passages I'm going to walk you through here in, in just, a, just a second. And it kind of leads us right up to this um, Acts chapter 1, verse 6 question. Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? We start in, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, actually, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus ever shows up. This is Ezekiel 39, verses 25 to 29. It says this, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob. And have mercy on the whole house of Israel. And I will not hide my face any more from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. You see the sequence there? When I pour out my spirit, I'm going to restore the fortunes of Jacob. I'm going to restore the fortunes of the people of God. Uh, second passage is Luke chapter 22. 29 and 30, and I assign to you, this is Jesus speaking, right? And I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, just that's right before Acts chapter 1, verse 6, just so we're all on the same page. Here's what Jesus says. While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So just see this. At this point of the story, Acts chapter 1, um, we know that, that Jesus has actually already opened up their minds to the scriptures. Uh, we saw that in uh, Luke chapter 24. Jesus has risen from the dead. They're walking with Jesus. And what does he do? He opens their minds to the scriptures. In other words, he gives them a depth of understanding and, and insight into Scripture that they just hadn't had before. And so I have to only imagine here that, that what happens is when Jesus says, hey, um, just wait, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, their brain goes to Ezekiel chapter 39, and they say, oh, the Spirit's coming? That means that our fortunes are going to be restored. The Spirit's coming, that means, that means we're going to be eating and drinking in the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, right, their, their longing and their ache for restoration is stirred in their hearts and in their minds. Do you see that sequence? Um, the disciples ache for restoration. The disciples ache for evil to be removed. They, they, they long for things to be made right again. And so do we. Um, and, and so what they do is uh, they, they do the right thing. They take their question to who? To Jesus. <laughs> they take their question to Jesus. They, they, they take their question about their ache and their desire and their longing, and they say, will you at this time restore? Will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, that by itself should probably, um, uh, I don't know, like uh, catch our attention. Uh, because some of you think that uh, you shouldn't ask God any questions. Uh, I know that because you've told me that before. Uh, and some of you think that, that you need to kill or suppress all desire in your life. I know that because you've told me that before. And, and so just notice the response of Jesus here. The, the response of Jesus is super cool because what he does is he corrects the, the time part of their question. But what he does is he lets the ache and the desire and the longing stand. So just see this. He corrects the time thing. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Uh, we've seen this before in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. He says, Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So Jesus corrects the time part of their question, saying, Hey, uh, don't worry about the timing of this. But what he does is he allows the ache and the longing for restoration. He lets that stand. In fact, if I'm reading the biggest story rightly, I'm thinking that Jesus is feeling pretty good in this moment, and he's actually saying, oh, I'm so glad you're bringing your question and your ache and your desire and your longing to me. Because they could take it to a lot of other places. They could give up that ache and that hope and that longing. And what they're doing is they're bringing that ache and that desire, and they're putting it at the feet of Jesus. Will you at this time restore Um, I, I think that it's important to say a couple of things. Um, this really encourages us then to, to be a people that are taking our ache and our longing and putting it at the feet of Jesus. Um, but, but we also should just know that, that Satan is going to mess with that leaving it at the feet of Jesus. Um, Satan is going to whisper to you, see, you shouldn't be desiring anything. See, you shouldn't ask God questions. 
Satan's going to say, hey, you could probably fill that longing with something besides Jesus. Um, Satan is going to say that, that all of this worldly stuff, it's too far lost, it's too far gone, it could never be restored. Um, uh, Satan is going to say, it's been so long already, it's never going to happen. And, and uh, Satan whispers those things in our hearts and in our minds, and uh, we kind of withdraw, and then we don't take our ache and our longing and our desire to Jesus, and Satan wins. So I just want to ask you today to not let Satan win. Um, to, to take your ache and your longing and to leave it at the feet of Jesus. Um, I, I want to ask you to not lose hope for restoration. Um, I, I want to ask you to, to take your question, will you now at this time restore? Take that question straight to Jesus and leave it at his feet. When I look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, I, I see two things. Number one, what we long for, and number two, what we are. What we are. This is super cool, right? Jesus gives them an identity, and we talked about this with the kids' chat. Uh, I just want to read it again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Jesus, at the very least here, is giving them something to keep them busy while they wait for his return. <laughs> uh, it's at least a busy activity for them. Uh, Jesus is giving them a mission. He's giving them a purpose while they wait, which is likely better than, uh, than fidgeting and likely better than, uh, than checking the scores and likely better than uh, most of the things that we heard earlier, although I can't recall. I should have written them down as we went. But, but just see this, right? He's giving them a purpose while they wait. He's giving them an identity. He says, you are witnesses. Um, it, um, a witness, right? We just talked about this. As somebody who sees something happens and begins to speak about it, um, hears something and begins to speak about it. If we, if we back up just a little bit and we would go to Luke chapter 24. So uh, Luke, is a, uh, uh, he, he wrote the gospel of Luke and then, he, uh, and then he wrote the book of Acts. And so it, it kind of comes in like a two volume, but he wrote both of them kind of deal. So if we back up to Luke chapter 24, we see the same type of language from Jesus. Jesus has risen from the dead in Luke chapter 24. Um, the book is almost over and here's what he says. He says, you are witnesses. Same language, right? That same identity type of language after he's risen from the dead. And, and then if we look at the context of that, the surrounding verses, what we see is Jesus says, hey, you are witnesses of these things. And there's four things, right? That the promises of scripture have been fulfilled. That Christ suffered and died on the cross. Then on the third day, he rose from the dead. And that your sins are forgiven. Jesus tells the disciples, you are witnesses of these things, promises fulfilled, Christ suffered, um, the third day he rose, and that your sins are forgiven. If we remember back to last week, which I'm sure you all remembered exactly what I said last week, yeah? You all memorized that? You probably listened to it six times over the course of the week. So let me just refresh that for you, uh, just in case your memory is slipping. Hebrews chapter 10, right? We talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit is constantly what? bearing witness to us. 
about two things. Number one, God's law. Um, what is God's best way to do life? What's the, what, how does he plan for us to do life? And number two, not only that your sins are forgiven, but that they're not even remembered anymore by God the Father Almighty. And so um, when Jesus says, hey, you are witnesses, it's these types of things that he wants us to see or hear and then speak about it to others. And just notice the language, the certainty of what Jesus says. He doesn't say, hey, you, you, you might be a witness. You could be a witness. No, he says, you, for them, will be. For you and I, he says, hey, you are a witness. He doesn't say, hey, you might be a witness if you grow in your communication skills and you can get a more exciting testimony. He doesn't say that you could be a witness if you knew more scripture. He doesn't say that, that you could be a witness if you became a pastor. No, he just says, hey, you are a witness. And so it's really interesting, right? Because just like, just like Satan wants to get in the way of us taking our ache and our desire to Jesus, he wants to get in the way of and mess with our identity, and so Satan is going to whisper all those things to you. He's going to say um, things like, hey, you aren't a witness. He's going to say, hey, your testimony, right? The testimony is like a story of your relationship with Jesus. He's going to say, your testimony is not all that exciting. It's, it's not dramatic enough. He's going to say, you don't know enough Bible verses. And he's going to say, hey, you aren't a pastor. <laughs> he's going to say that you're not a witness. And so let me offer just a couple of things so that we can live in the identity that Jesus gives us. The first thing would be to simply rebuke and reject the lies that Satan is whispering. <laughs> to just say, hey, I don't have to have a dramatic testimony. Uh, to just say, I don't have to have 37 Bible verses memorized. That's a random number, by the way. Um, to just say, I don't have to be a pastor. I don't have to be able to communicate as clearly um, or as beautifully as a pastor does. But to just say simply, hey, I am a witness, and I rebuke and I reject the lie that Satan's whispering to me that I'm not a witness. Um, the second thing that I would say to you is to simply claim God's power for yourself. This is really cool. As we uh, kind of look at the overall story between Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts, um, it becomes really clear, and, and I'm going to rattle through these super fast, so, so just kind of maybe have a pen and, and paper ready to jot down. But uh, what happens is we see that, that Jesus, or God, is the powerful one, and what he does is he shares his power with people. So let me just kind of uh, take you through this real fast. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel answered her, that's Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Luke chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus returned in power of the Holy Spirit um, to Galilee, and a report about him went through all the surrounding country. Luke chapter 4, verse 36, they were all amazed, and they said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Luke 5, 17, on one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Luke chapter 6, verse 19, all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him, and he healed them. Luke chapter 9, verse 1, and he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Did you see that switch? I did it super fast. 
all throughout, up until chapter 9, Jesus is the powerful one. And then in Luke chapter 9, verse 1, he called them together and he gave them what? Power. He gave them power to do the same things that he was doing. He gave them power to be witnesses. And listen to the words of Jesus again in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus is the powerful one, and he shares that power, and we can claim it for ourselves. When I look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, I see two things that sort of instruct us and help us to know, like, hey, what should I actually do while I wait? The first thing would be to simply, hey, we've got aches and longings. Take those aches and longings to the feet of Jesus and leave them there. Let him deal with them. Second thing, you are a witness. He's given you an identity, and we get to just uh, start talking. <laughs> uh, we get to start talking maybe one person at a time, um, as one of my kids did. Uh, maybe in a more uh, loud way to a crowd of people, as one of my other kids did. But either way, so powerful to just start talking and living in the Jesus-given, Spirit-empowered identity that we have. Uh, let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you so much for, uh, for sending Jesus. Um, Jesus, we thank you for promising us the Holy Spirit, for sending the Holy Spirit, and for giving us all the power that we need. Um, would you please uh, help us? <laughs> uh, help us to, to be in touch and to take space uh, with ourselves, to, to actually know what we ache and what we long for. And uh, w w will you hear us and receive us as we bring those aches and those longings to you? And Jesus, we also ask, will you uh, cement our identity? Will, will you remind us of of, of the work that you have planned for us, of the mission that you have given to us? But will you show us again and again, hey, you are a witness. You are my witness. And, and, and will you give us the words to say? Uh, will you give us the actions to live by? Um, will, will you open up people's hearts and minds to receive our witness? Jesus, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for bearing witness continually about who Jesus is and who he has made us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.